Hey guys, before we get started this episode, I'd like to read out our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Silver Shamrock Masks. It's almost time. The clock is ticking. Make sure to tune in for the big Halloween giveaway. And make sure to wear one of the brand new Silver Shamrock masks, which consists of either the pumpkin head, the witch, or my favorite, the skeleton. And don't forget the special code word, Stonehenge, when you're watching the program. Silver Shamrock Novelties. They'll kill you with a good deal. This episode is also brought to you by Good Guy Dolls. Never be without your best friend again. Good Guy Dolls will always be with you. They're your friend to the end. With Good Guy Dolls being the number one doll in the country, there's nothing better to get for your child, especially with our great trick-or-treat promotion this Halloween season. Make sure to enter your promo code HeidiHo for a special Halloween treat. Good Guy Dolls will be your friend to the end. And now, on with our show. Welcome, ghosts and ghouls, to a very special Halloween episode of A Conversation for One Podcast. The podcast where I ramble on about horror and sci-fi multimedia, theme parks, Canadiana, and so much more. It's Halloween time, which means it's party time. Hey there, and welcome back to a very frightful and, uh, gosh, I don't know, scary Halloween, scary Halloween uh, episode. Uh, so yeah, as as with last year, this episode is incredibly late, and I am terribly sorry about that. Just We've just had just a whirlwind of an October, and I have been pumping out episodes at least i thought i was i was trying my best because i know last year i maybe only had two or three episodes and so this year i tried to get them all out but as with life a lot of stuff got in the way and uh yeah so here it is a couple days before halloween i'm really sorry about that so but like i said in the last episode these episodes don't go bad you can listen to this one whenever you want for your slew of halloween and scary movies you can listen to it next year you can listen to it two years from now you can listen to it whenever you want and that's why i make these so you guys can have them whenever you want that being said before we get into the spooky scary world of movies and television let me fill you in on my very spooky scary world of my personal life um so just a couple things right off the bat here um we have had just a jam-packed October, as I just mentioned. I released tons of episodes. If you guys haven't checked them out, I worked tirelessly on setting up my Perfect Horror Episode 1 and Perfect Horror Episode 2. Very good episodes. If I don't, like, you know, pat myself on the shoulder here, I think Perfect Horror Chapter 2 is one of my best episodes that I've put together in terms of editing, in terms of pace, feel, sound. I am very proud of myself. So if you guys want to check that out, 
Both of those episodes are chock full of amazing guests in both the horror community, podcast community, and art community, all in the horror community. Check them out. Really, really great stuff and tons of cool opinions other than my own if you're like tired of hearing just me. And also, too, we had a great interview with Christopher Burkert. And yeah, man, I love talking to that guy. That It was like talking to a friend that I'd known for 20 years. I think that episode was also one of my best. Very easy to listen to episode if you have the time. Please check that out. Uh, and then also, um, because these, the reason these episodes have been so late, um, yeah, uh, just a lot of um, personal things in terms of time. Um, working, balancing like extracurriculars, which sounds very like high school of me, but yeah, like I've got a lot of stuff going on and very fun. Just recently, my car was totaled in a hit and run. Uh, I was parked and I don't know if the person was drunk or if they were drag racing, but they they totaled my car. So that took a day, two days now away from me um, from editing this and producing this. And I'm, I mean, it's two days. It's not it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but it is still two days, and now I'm out of a vehicle. So plus side there, I have more time to do this. Downside is I have no money to do this. Or <laughs> so yeah. So that's just a that's just a real scary thing right there. That's uh, money and reality. And uh, but anyways, you guys are not here to listen about the sad trying tales of Tyler. You guys are here to listen to Halloween 2019. So let's jump into this bad Larry. I'm Freddy Krueger, your worst nightmare come alive, and now I'm on your telephone. Dial this number now and I'll tell you Freddy's favorite bedtime stories, gruesome new tales of murder and mayhem, frightful heartstoppers of pain and gore. So dial this number now if you dare, and prepare for a scare. Freddy Krueger has a special message just for you. $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Children, get your parents' permission before you dial. So starting off this episode today, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a history back into Tyler. You know, set the mood. A little bit of Halloween, uh, I don't know, nostalgia, if you will. So I know last year we talked about... What did we talk about? I can't even remember, which is odd because I just re-edited that whole thing. Oh yeah, very fun thing. Before we even get into that, again, scatterbrain here, guys, trying my best. We just passed, and by we, I mean me basically we just we just passed one year for a conversation for one podcast yeah on the 13th of october we 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 we've been going now for one year so that's pretty exciting news so the halloween episode from last year was actually my second episode which is pretty crazy when you think about it sometimes it feels like i've been doing this forever but other times it feels like i've only been doing this for a few months and now i have technically realistically been doing this now for over a year which is just it's crazy to think about But regardless of what I spoke about last time, one of my favorite things about Halloween are the costumes. And from a long time, for a long time, I was huge, huge into doing costumes. And I remember the first time I really went out, like as a kid, I did Superman a couple times in a row because like, you know, single mom problems. I had, (laughs) I did a couple costumes like two years in a row, um, which definitely, um, you know, as a kid doesn't really bother you as much, but I remember really 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 wanting to be spider-man like big time i must have been like six six or seven i was like i want to be spider-man like i've always loved spider-man he's always been my favorite hero long before the movie came out which is one of my favorites and um 
kind of like, yeah, like we used to go, this is like, wow, taking a huge side road here, but there used to be a amusement place in Newmarket called called Wally B World, and it was kind of like a knockoff Chuck E. Cheese. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but if I haven't, it was my favorite place as a kid, like my absolute favorite. I think I went there between like ages of like three and five while it was still open, and I like absolutely was like ape shit, like batshit crazy for that place. Um, and one of the vending machines there had like the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man style like stickers. And I went bananas for those things. I was all about that. Then you throw in like the Fox Kids Spider-Man TV show. Oh my God, Spider-Man. I was a huge Spider-Man. Uh, and then second favorite maybe was Superman, but my mom would not let me have a Spider-Man costume because of the mask, which if you have like a very... OCD controlling mother, you know how crazy and fearful they get about something on their child's face. Although I was Batman one year, which was really, really fun, um, that was easily one of my favorite costumes. And the reason I got away with that one was because the mask had my eyes open and it didn't cover my nose or my mouth, which was a huge thing for my mom. So I did Superman a couple years and I did Batman a couple years. But yeah, um, so I can never be Spider-Man. It never happened for me and still hasn't happened. Although one year in university, I did go as Peter Parker, which was kind of cool, but it was a very half-assed costume, not one of my prouder moments. So yeah, that was like one of my first costumes, but I always went out and I remember the very first year that like I was like, mom, we need to get me like a good ass costume. And it was in grade five to be very specific. And not like I'm like holding on to these memories, like God damn you, but like, I think, yeah, I was in grade five and there was a girl I was seeing at the time. As much as you could say I was seeing somebody, but you know, we were seeing each other, I guess. It's like, I don't know, you're grade five. Like we're like air quotes, like boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't even remember, but I was supposed to go. Her name was Kayla and we were going to be Frankenstein's monster, which Frankenstein, I hate saying Frankenstein's monster and Bride of Frankenstein. I was like, holy shit, right? Because like, not only was I going as something crazy, something cool, but I was going with a girl and in grade five, that's like, I could have basically been 35 at that point. Like, get the fuck out of my way, kiddos. Like, I am an adult, and here's my lady. I was like, fucking, wow. I was just, like, over the moon. So I was like, Mom, take me out. I get the costume. It's like the Boris Karloff, kind of Glenn Strangey looking face, but it was official with, like, the green suit, with the black shirt. It's all, like, one piece of shitty nylon, you know what I mean? Like, polyester. Um... And my mom was like, hey, this is expensive. And I was just like, I need it. Like, I haven't had a new costume in forever. Like, I need it. I want it. Like, God damn it. And like, I I was never that kid. I was never the spoiled kid. Like, mom, I need it. Like, if I did that, my mom would like fucking put my head through the wall. So the I think maybe because I was like, I need, I need this. Like, I need to do this. And she was like, okay, we'll do this. So I get the costume and I'm like ready to go. And I'm like, hey, are we going to do this? And she's like, no, I'm going with like one of her friends. I don't remember who it was. And they went to something else. And I was like, yay. <laughs> so like I was still Frankenstein, which was like really cool. And I liked it. But I was like, oh, fuck. So then the next year, because it was so expensive, you know, as you get a little bit older, kids will rip you apart. They'll rip you apart as you go as the same thing twice. So I took the same suit, I had a fedora, and I was like a Tommy gun, and I went as like a gangster. So it went from like t 10 out of 10, like badass costume to gangster. And I remember just thinking like, God damn it. And then the next year, this is grade seven. So between grade six and grade seven, 
we got stuff, my brother and I got stuff from the It Store, if you guys can remember that, in Canadian malls. The It Store was like basically like novelty, gimmicky shit, but it was kind of like a mix between like, I don't know. It's like a mixture between the stuff, the stuff you would find in like a, a Hot Topic mixed with like weird music and like Beanie Babies and... Um, I don't know. Like, well, they had Halloween stuff. They had masks. They had like weird goth stuff too, because like it was the 2000s, you know, it was a store that was open from the nineties to the, to the 2000s. And, um, yeah, I remember that was like the first year we got very, very good stuff. And that was like my costume for the end because like grade seven, right. Grade seven, grade eight, grade nine, that's usually when kids start to wrap it up. So like that is the, that is, and it, and it was big, it was big. Um, so I could probably still wear it cause I didn't grow too, too much after grade seven, God damn it. But uh, so I got Freddy Krueger, which was, my mom was like, are you sure you want this? Cause she fucking hates Freddy Krueger. And uh, like, it's traumatically scarred. And I, so I got like this, like, <laughs> like stepbrothers, like it's okay that mine's not movie quality, but this one was, very close. It was very close to movie quality. Came with the foam fedora. Came with a plastic like knifey hand and like the very very like thick warm sweater that was like Freddy Krueger obviously. But I was like, God damn! Like usually if you get it, it's a shirt. But that was like a sweater. And my brother got like a movie realistic Yoda. So unfortunately for him, he had to be Yoda for a couple of years. But for me, I only had to be Freddy twice because after grade eight, I didn't do trick or treating anymore. So. It worked out for me. But after that, though, you know, at, once you start you start being an adult, you uh, you start to wear costumes to uh, be cool, be funny, or, you know, maybe get some strange. God. But that never happened to me. I was always in a relationship, unfortunately. I mean, not unfortunately. But being in a relationship is great. Again, digging a hole here. But I remember I went to some really cool ones in... Um, in high school, you dress up because, yeah, again, like you are trying to impress people. You're trying to either A, be popular or B, impress that girl. And, um, you know, I can't really remember what I went at every year, but I do remember in grade 12, that was like a, that was like a, my little claim to flame, <laughs> claim to fame being in like the yearbook even. I went as Vince from ShamWow. Yeah. Very simple costume and people ate that shit up. They ate it up. They loved it. Did spiked my hair, got the purple shirt, brought a ShamWow in. You know, you memorize a couple lines because people are going to ask you to do lines. They're going to ask you to do impersonations. They're going to always ask you to do that stuff. And I killed it. Killed it that year. That was a big year for me. Other fun ones I did, though, you know, in case you guys aren't completely bored listening to my costumes, I did, um, like I said, Peter Parker the one year. I did um, Marty McFly. I had like all the different shirts, the vests. I had like the big headphones, the digital watch. I was like playing like the Back to the Future theme and um, Power of Love just on repeat. They're still like the highest listened to songs on my iTunes. God damn it. I played it all fucking night. Just those two songs like again and again and again, just blaring through those headphones, which also got tossed. They were just completely burnt out. Um, played that or played that dressed up as Marty. And then the next year, oh, the next year was one of my faves. The next year was one of my faves. Me and my buddy Rob, we went as, um, 1980s, like ping pong players and really fun story. That year was a year I could not drink. So it's a long story. I'm sure as the podcast goes on, you'll hear why I couldn't drink, but basically I couldn't drink for a year doctor's order. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do a little bit of, you know, the devil's lettuce, 
like uh, for all those Americans out there, I'm really sorry that you guys can't partake, but we, it was still illegal back then. And uh, I was like, I still want a buzz of some sort. And I had only smoked weed a couple times, like maybe a dozen, two dozen times in my life before that moment. So I hadn't really partook uh, so much in the, uh, in, in that sort of thing. And uh, absolutely burnt my lip. Just roll, rolled a joint and I was smoking the joint and I uh, took a too deep of a puff that last one and just absolutely burnt my lip. So in all of the pictures, it looks like I have just this raging like herpes cold sore. And uh, yeah, it's really fun. So all those pictures you can see, I have just a burnt lip at the top. I don't know, top left, I think. I don't know. But that was a cool one. We had like the headbands and like the, the feathered puffy hair and the, the short shorts. We had to buy like girls short shorts. Super embarrassing. In fact, I've been trying to pawn off a pair that have made it through my wardrobe somehow to the girlfriend because like I legitimately can't wear them. I don't think either of us wore them, to be honest. But when you buy them, what are you going to do with them, right? I should probably edit that out. But you know what? Who knows? And after that, I don't I can't really remember what I did. Oh, Yes, this was actually the last time I spent money. I bought a Maverick, like from Top Gun, which conveniently enough, I'm wearing a Top Gun shirt right now. I think I bought it for that, but like Maverick didn't wear a Top Gun t-shirt. So I think I just bought it for my own vanity. But yeah, I had the jacket, had the glasses, really simple costume really. And then that's it. And that's the last thing I went as, to be honest. Um, I went as Jim from the office, three hole, three hole punch Jim. That was stupid <laughs> no one knew who the fuck i was and i thought that'd be such a like a hit costume and then uh just just this past couple days ago now i was uh i went as a cool cat finally finally i've been meaning to goddamn do that costume forever like jeff winger from the from community you literally just put on a jacket a shirt some sunglasses and cat ears and that's it you're a cool cat easy easy goddamn costume and i loved it it was simple i didn't have anything on my face it was good it was good. But yeah, costumes are so important. I'm sure right now you guys are thinking about some of your favorites. I think that is truly it. And I, and you know, there's always like, there's two different types of girls, you know, for Halloween, there's like the girls that go all out and then there's the girls that are slutty. You know, I always appreciated the girls that put a bit of both in. I actually like, as much as like, I am a guy, uh, like a straight guy and I'm like, damn, there's some, uh, there's some titties, there's some ass. It always kind of made me upset. Like, I've never been, like, a Halloween purist, but it's, like, if a girl's just literally putting on leggings and a bra and then, like, just paints, like, I don't know, paints, like, a fucking scar on her face and it's, like, I'm a convict. It's just, like, you don't fucking look like one, you know? Like, God damn it. Or it's, like, I'm a cat. Oh, my God. So many people that are cats. Give me a break. Like, give me a fucking break. I don't know. I, I always just thought, like, you could be, like, a hot witch. Like, put some makeup on, have your titties out. Bam. Like you, Halloween should still be like you're the point I always thought was you're being somebody else. So if you're already like, you know, if you're already a hot girl, like you're not really going as a hot girl for Halloween. Like everybody knows that you're hot if you're going to this party. I don't know. I always just never really dug that or the same with it's the same with guys who just wear like a costume that's either like oh, the one that I hate is like when guys wear their like work uniform to, to like. Halloween is like, how much more lazy can you get? Like, that's what you do on a day to day. Or I don't know. I feel like I'm uh, losing a lot of listeners here, losing like 20 of my 50. Gosh. But anyways, yeah. Or like when guys just wear a t-shirt or something that like, there's a point, like sometimes it's like funny, but a lot of times like guys will just spend like 120 bucks to get like the laziest costume. And it's like, I know, I know like 
but it's also too it's one night so like just put in a little bit of effort in like elbow grease to make it a costume and that's money you're saving i always thought too i don't know i don't know where i'm going here but i just thought it'd be fun to talk about costumes here um and yeah i mean i know costumes are always important that's really the most important part the biggest costume you'll put on as you get older is just becoming the guy who gives out candy you know i don't think anybody ever thought i'd get to that but that's that's usually what i am these last few years yeah, so I just thought that would be kind of fun. I, I don't remember what I talked about last time. I thought maybe I talked about haunted houses. I'm not really sure. But yeah, I love Halloween. Again, guys, I am so sorry that this is coming out so late because you're like, yeah, we already did the Halloween parties this last weekend because Halloween doesn't fall on a goddamn weekend. And for that, I know, I'm sorry. But again, you can listen to these whenever you like. But yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into some um, uh, some lists and movies and stuff to get you spooked in these last couple days. All right, here we go. Guess what? You're invited to the Halloween party of the year. Better lights, big Halloween haunt. Right, big man. 160 very lucky people will be flown to Universal Studios Hollywood. Find this special can hidden in 12 packs and cases of Miller Lite. It's your invitation to go. Oh, it's 45,000 on the prizes. Details for Miller Lite. It's gold. Man, it's gonna be a scream. Yeah, but moving aside from the costumes here, I thought I would start out these, this list with, um, I don't know, like last year I did like stuff for the kids, stuff for the teenagers, and then stuff for like adults, and I was like, man, you know, it is nice to have stuff for the kids, but let's mix it up a little bit. So this year, I thought I'd talk about like some good Halloween video games, which, you know, there's a lot of horror games out there, there's a lot of um, violent games out there. But, you know, I just thought, what are, like, games to me that I would put on for the Halloween season? And now, when I was younger, I used to game a lot through grade school, through high school, big into games. And then when university rolled around, I still played a lot of games, but less and less. Uh, you know, you start using it more for internet or you start going out more, or, you know, once you have a girlfriend, really. And then that's what happened in university. You you know, you spend a lot less time gaming unless you're kind of doing it together or you have like a dead day. But I still game now, even now, and at 26 years old, I still play some video games. And I, I obviously I have some favorite memories of games that I liked. So starting off this list is Costume Quest. And I'd also throw in Costume Quest 2. These games are perfect. I don't know if I've mentioned these before. Unfortunately, Costume Quest, you can still get it on PC. So if you guys are, per, are a PC gamer, you can definitely play Costume Quest still. Um, these games are made by Double Fine Games, um, which used to be one of my favorites until they signed their soul away to Microsoft, so I'll probably never play a new game of theirs ever again. But Costume Quest, unfortunately, what I was saying, is only available now on PS3 and Xbox 360. I don't think it ever actually came to PS4 or Xbox One, which is a tragedy. But if you do have a PS3, I definitely would recommend to boot that up to play it uh, if, if, if you don't have a PC. But Costume Quest 2 is available on everything as far as I know. Maybe not Switch, but it's, a, it's available for literally everything else. These games are great. So the basic premise is you get to choice, you get to choose between, so there's twins. So there's like Ren and, I don't, actually I don't, <laughs> I don't remember the other person's name. But there's two twins and you either pick as, you're playing as the girl or playing as the boy. Um, and there's slight differences in dialogue from what I remember, if, depending on who you pick. And then, so you pick one of them, and then you go out with your two friends, 
um, also both kids, obviously, going trick-or-treating when these goblins come out of nowhere and kidnap the twin that you didn't play as uh, because they're dressed as a candy corn. And so they're trying to steal all the candy. So these goblins are stealing all the candy to give to... Um, can't remember in the first one if it's like a witch or if it's like the goblin king but basically they're stealing all the kid the candy from uh, all the kids and so these kids trying to rescue the sibling whatever the costume is that they're at they turn into so if they're dressed up as a robot they turn into a huge like 25 foot tall like 50 foot tall robot like mech like anime mech or if they're dressed up as a mummy they turn into like this huge 50 foot tall, like movie quality mummy, or uh, what was another cool one that they had? You know, like a vampire, a knight, they turn into these things like huge form. And then like the goblins that you see like on the street when you hit them and you enter into like a classic like RPG style battle, they turn into more like demonic or hyper-realistic versions of themselves. And it's basically like a turn-based strategy game where you're like, every every move set it's like final fantasy every move you're picking you're picking is to like build defense build offense it's very simple it's a very simple um setup and um i guess game design but it's very very fun and the story is charming the writing is so charming and you get so much out of it there's collectibles in the game there's tons of costumes to pick up the story has i don't know if it has two different outcomes but it has a different outcome story-wise depending on which twin you pick. So you can play that at multiple times. And then the second game, which I also really recommend, is um, I can't remember what the story is for that one. Can't remember like what sets it up, but you're basically playing against this like awful dentist who's stealing all the candy because he doesn't want to he doesn't want any of the kids to have cavities anymore. So you're like trying to stop his like anti-cavity empire from stealing all the candy. And that's also super fun. It's a bigger game. As with most sequels, it's bigger. There's more in it. Um, there's more to do. It's longer. It's a little more polished. But I still find the first game to be the most charming. And I would definitely recommend checking out Costume Quest if you can. It used to be in Humble, Bum hum Humble Bundles a lot. But I don't know if that's a thing anymore. I think Activision bought Humble Bundle. So I don't really know how that works. But yeah, check that out. Um, it is a little bit older, but it's still, it's one of those like cell shaded games. So it doesn't, it hasn't aged terribly. It's, it looks just the same as I remember. So check that one out. And then, um, there's a couple ones here. I'm going to go through these ones a little bit quicker, um, because Costume Quest is really the main Halloween game I find. Um, but another good one is Dead by Daylight, which is a game that I only just recently played. I didn't realize I owned it, but I guess through PlayStation Plus, that's been in my library now for some time. Um, but basically the, the, the premise of Dead by Daylight is really, really cool as long as you have good internet. It's a game that's been done a couple times now, like Friday the 13th. Um, it's like basically the exact same game. Um, but you um, either play as the killer or you play as the teenager slash survivor. And it just, it's basically like living out like an 80s slasher movie. It's this killer is like looking for you and you're trying to turn on generators to get the light. You're trying to um, get to the exit or you're rescuing your like fellow like teenagers that are like trapped or like been impaled on like the meat hooks which sounds graphic and it is but it's not like hyper realistic gore um and it's just it's creepy because like the killer has all these things he can hear when you're in the bush the crows if you like you walk too fast and the crows scatter then the killer's alerted to you so it's basically if the teenagers in a horror movie were smart and they're trying to get away 
Um, and there's always stuff to look for. And it's really cool because it has its own story within the game. So the killer has his own setup. He's trying to sacrifice people to like this weird god. Um, but then there's also packages. So if you really get into this, it's got Leatherface. It's got Freddy Krueger. It's got Ghostface. It's got... Um, Oh my goodness, who's the other one here? It's got Stranger Things, and it's got, oh, it's got one more, one more other one. But yeah, you can play as Ghostface, you can play as Leatherface, and you get different maps for it too, which is really, really fun. I myself have only played like a handful of times, so I'm piss poor awful at it, I'm terrible at it, but I still enjoyed it, and I still loved it. And when the internet is really good, it is super fluid. And when it's not that good, it's still fun to play, it's just, it's leggy. It's, it's not like last generation leggy, and now that I do have good internet for like the first time in my life, um, it's fun to play and it, it is a little expensive, but there's always sales for it. And I'm obviously on PC, it's gonna be cheaper. And um, yeah, the DLC was not that much money either. I just got the Ghostface one and I think it was like $10. And it was really cool. Like it's a cool update of Ghostface and Ghostface being one of my favorite killers, I, I had to pick it up. Um, so yeah, Dead by Daylight is a really cool one. And if you kind of like that, but that's not, not floating your boat, check out Friday the 13th, not as polished, but if you love the Friday the 13th series, it has all the maps, all the characters, it's really, really faithful. And it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of a really nice love letter to Friday the 13th. And speaking of PS4 and horror franchises, one of my fave games that I got when you're right near the end of its lifespan was Ghostbusters, which is basically Ghostbusters 3. That is really Ghostbusters 3. It has all the original cast, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Ernie Hudson, um, Bill Murray. I don't know if, um, I don't know. I don't know if everybody's in it. I don't know if Sigourney Weaver's in it or if, um, or, uh, Rick Moranis. I don't know if they're in it. I can't remember, but it's basically, it's a direct follow-up to number two and you play with all the Ghostbusters and you are, the new recruit. So they're running you through it. You see classic monsters, you see new monsters, all the stuff you love, all the sound effects are there. And it was on PS3 and it still looked amazing on PS3. It was really a sleeper hit. And I think it, what happened was there was developer issues and uh, publisher issues. And it basically just kind of got swept under the rug. And I don't know what happened with it, but I think like they didn't push out enough copies and then there was like distribution like switch ups with the licensing and whatever happened it just it really didn't get a lot of daylight and now fortunately I haven't picked it up yet but I'm definitely going to it has been redone so it has been completely redone from the ground up all new graphics um, all the sound is sharper there's more features and um, there's more modes from what I understand and there's like multiplayer and I don't know if they're going to have DLC, but I would have to expect they would. And it just, it looks, I was already blown away in PS3 when I was like, wow, like they got the likenesses pretty close. The move, like the mouth movements and eye movements and everything, all the motion capture, that all looks amazing. They make it feel like it just happens like the next year after two. I was like, I love this. So I can only imagine, especially from the trailers and stuff I've seen, that it looks unreal and that it will be unreal. The game, the mechanics and everything were perfect and people lauded the mechanics, they lauded the storytelling. A couple of things that they didn't like, I'm, sh I'm sure now that there's been reviews, they've been addressed. And yeah, it's not like it's new because it's already come out, but if you love Ghostbusters and you didn't really like the female Ghostbusters answer the call, which I don't, I haven't heard a person yet who has, and I gave it a fair shake. It took me like three, 
times to get through it, but I tried. I just Ghostbusters is one of those series. It's like it's hard to jump into, and a lot of classic '80s franchises and '90s franchises have found that. I feel that when people are like, "Well, we're gonna do a new edition, or we're gonna give this a fresh coat of paint, or we're just gonna try and revamp the like the old model," it just it never works. It always feels shallow or hollow, or just it doesn't feel right. And this, to me, is the third movie. Um, so if you love Ghostbusters you would be a fool to skip out on that. Um, and it's perfect for Halloween. Ghostbusters, it's it's light, it's it's also dark, it's it's scary kind of ghosts. It's it's perfect. It's an awful description. Um, what else did I have here? Oh, two other ones. Oh, any Resident Evil game, obviously. Uh, two just recently coming out with a remake. Apparently is amazing. I've been meaning to get my hands on it. But uh, And then also two, Resident Evil 4. Um, if, if I'm a bit of a purist, but... I still think the best version of that game is on the Wii, Nintendo Wii. Um, so if you have a Wii, you could probably find this game for like 10 goddamn dollars. It has the motion control and it's perfect. And that game, along with a lot of older games, I think anything like Xbox, PS2, GameCube down should never get an upgrade. Like if it's gonna get an upgrade, it should be completely remade. I think that's the only way to go because the more times you clear up an older game, the worse it looks. And I think the Wii is like the last, it's like a slightly upgraded model from PS2 GameCube. It has all the PS2 features. It has all the GameCube extras. It's the best version. And that game was scary then, and it's not as scary now, but it's still super fun, super atmospheric. And it's just something different than your classic zombie game. Like I said, I have seen a lot for the remake of two. That game looks bonkers. I, I do want to try that out because I do like Resident Evil. I'm not like a diehard, but I do enjoy it. And then obviously number seven, Biohazard. That is like a completely new game. That is completely different than what has been done before. Much like how four revitalized the franchise. I think seven was also that big game. Um, I haven't played it all. I played Oof, maybe like a few hours of it, it scared the shit out of me. It scared the bejesus out of me. So if you're down for a game that's going to absolutely scare you, and it's not long from what I understand. It's only like six or seven hours long. Pick up that one. It's cheaper now. It's been out for a couple years now, so you could probably find it pretty cheap. Check that one out. And then last but not least, bringing us home here, is Arkham Knight. Believe it or not, this is the game that I bought the PS4 for, um, even though I didn't technically buy it. It was like a gift. Um, but that's what I wanted it for because I was a huge Arkham fan. This game is very heavy Halloween vibes. It happens like around Halloween from what I remember. And Scarecrow takes over the city with Fear Toxin. And so Scarecrow is probably the most Halloween character of them all. And yeah, it's uh, it's dark. It's got tons of like that kind of October-y vibe, September to November vibe. There's lots of pumpkins. Um... I don't know, it's just something about that game. Makes you feel very DLC, uh, very DLC. Makes you feel very uh, in the mood for Halloween. And I think it is because the Scarecrow is so prevalent within it. Everything about it feels like a nightmare. Everything about it has um, like leaves and like toxicity, like running through like the fear toxin. Um, yeah, and just all the goons chasing you. It's got every single villain in it. Yeah. I don't know why I included that, but something about that game makes me feel Halloween. I don't know. Do you guys, do you feel like that too? 
it i don't it just it screams halloween like arkham asylum is definitely a halloween kind of game as well but it's got more like the greens and the blacks where this game was like red and orange and yellow and everything was like gloomy and everything was dark and everything is falling apart there's like shifty cobblestones and archaic looking trees and tombstones and like like man bad is in the game even for god's sakes and you have like i said the calendar man you got some very twisted stuff with joker and it's just a lot of masks and i just felt like this was like perfect for halloween i don't know but it, maybe it's a stretch but arkham uh, city felt very christmas and obviously arkham origins was christmas um but this one to me felt very halloween and so yeah i could probably write more but i think that's probably all i have for video games and so i thought that would be something fresh for this episode so that's halloween video games Welcome to the Twilight Zone. Two classic shockers. Trick or treat. Tuesday at 8 on Channel 11. But I did not forget about adding movies here. So I do have some for the kiddos. Um, because, you know, we have kids eventually, right? Or you do already. Or if you are a kid, you really shouldn't be listening to it. But I do appreciate the listen, so don't stop. Um, so movies for kids. I don't mean this as a derogatory thing, like for kids, as if kids can't sc- can't handle scary movies. But there are some movies that are easier to open the door, especially because I've been like waterboarding you guys with horror, I find, for like the last month. Um, but some of these are definitely uh, door openers, um, gateway drugs into the horror world. Um, the first is Ernest Scared Stupid, which I did put myself through recently. Uh, I never watched any Ernest movies as a kid. Um, and I think you definitely have to grow up with that movie, much like Hook. Like People are like, Hook was amazing. And if you watch Hook now, you're like, no, it's not. But I feel like that is very much that type of movie. Um, so yeah, Ernest Scared Stupid is just, it's, oh my God. I know I'm supposed to be like, this is good. But as an adult without children, not watching it in my childhood, I was like, holy fuck. There was a lot of stuff about that movie that was really great. Um, But basically why I think it would be perfect for kids is it has kid characters, obviously. And Ernest isn't like dumb. Like he's stupid, but he doesn't talk down to kids or like lower to like make the kids seem smarter. Do you know what I mean? Like he just talks to kids like how you would talk to kids, which I always, I find that admirable. I don't like, especially like when I see a new kids TV show, like you're flicking through channels or like somebody's like watching one, like while you're in like the waiting room is like, I didn't realize that kids were like that dumb. Like I don't remember kids TV shows when I was that young, like spoon feeding me that hard or like talking to you, like you have a 10 IQ. Um, but basically Ernest is, I don't know. He's like, I think his ancestors is something like, like they, um, they basically seal away these trolls. So these trolls are like eating all the kids in like the area in like 1800s or 17, whatever, like the dawn of America Ernest is like great, 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 great grandfather, whatever. He is like, I like am sentencing you to a life under this tree where you'll be imprisoned. And like, as that, his curse was all of his ancestors would become dumber and dumber, which I was just like, eh, it's, it's kind of cool. But 
Anyway, so they imprison these trolls, and then obviously Ernest somehow sets them free. And the trolls, though, are the best part of this movie. They scare the bejesus out of me. They've got snot coming out of them. Every little orifice of their body moves. Their, like, their snout moves. Their mouths and lips move. Their eyes move. And they're creepy looking. And the fact that they like they go basically 90% in terms of killing kids, which if you're a kid, right? That's pretty cool, huh? Like kids dying on screen, that's kind of scary, but they don't die. They don't die. They get turned into little wood figurines, which is uh, just as scary, but there are some scares. And I was like watching this movie and for the first 20, 30 minutes, I was like, oh my God, what am I putting myself through? But then once it gets going, it gets going. And I know this movie has its fans, both adults and kids alike. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch for me. I didn't really enjoy it, but I could definitely see how people would. And I could definitely see kids would love this. And it's like a good mixture of like scary. It's a good mixture of like funny and lighthearted, but it's not like scares. Like the scares, like if a good scare keeps you up, then it, that is a good scare. But I don't think it's going to something that's like petrifies you, but it definitely could give your kid a nightmare. But I mean, a good nightmare is, is necessary. Every kid has, is supposed to have nightmares. It's, Part of being a child is like not knowing stuff and being scared of stuff and getting over it, right? That's how you grow and yada yada. So yeah, that, that one I thought was a good one. This one is a bit of a cheat because I haven't seen it. I just keep seeing how amazing it is and I put it on my list year after year and I haven't watched it and it's Witches um, with An Angela Hudson, Angelica Hudson. Oh God, I should really know this. But it has some Jim Henson uh, creature shop creations for like the faces. And I guess Roald Dahl was the one who originally wrote The Witches, but it's one of those ones that is always brought up. And it's like, it's a mixture between like being overhyped and one of those movies that's like a sleeper hit, but it it's it just stood the test of time. As far as I know, it just got a re-release, like a good re-release. So I, I might pick that up to be honest. I mean, I just bite the bullet and just watch it that way. But it's supposed to be absolutely um, chilling, I guess is probably the best word for it. Like. It's from what I read, it is lighthearted, but apparently um, the main witches are like nightmare fuel for children, which much like the trolls in earnest, I'm sure like that's like something that will like warp your childhood if you are a child, um, but it's supposed to be fun, lighthearted. It has like a happy ending and I'm not going to spend too much time on it because like I said, it's a bit of a cheat. I haven't seen it myself, but it is one that always is included. So I figured it'd be a safe bet to put it on here. Um, the next one on here, though, I have seen and I am a huge fan of. Um, it is. Uh, it has been mentioned, like I said, in my Perfect Horror episode, Derek M. Cook, who runs the amazing Monster Kid Radio. Go check that one out if you guys like older horror movies, especially. Um, just Or Surf Rock. He has an amazing, it's a fun podcast to listen to. But he brought up Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, which is one of my favorite universal horror monster movies. And tons of people especially people between like later 30s into their 60s, they'll tell you that that is the movie that not only opened them up to Universal Monsters, but opened them up to horror because they play it straight. They These are two comedians, Abba Costello. They are a dual um, comedian duel and um, they play it straight. So all the monsters are playing it straight. They are doing their monster stuff. You have Bela Lugosi back in it as, as Dracula for the first time since 31. You have Glenn Strange as the monster, which is arguably the second best monster. Some people like him the most, and I can see why. He's a really good Frankenstein's monster. You have Lon Chaney Jr. back as the Wolfman, and he plays it the best, I find. Other than the very first movie, he gives it his all in this film, and I love him in this movie. And you also have, oh gosh, well, eventually Vincent Price makes a return. It's kind of a little neat cameo at the end. But you have Abbott and Costello just doing their normal shtick, 
but the monsters are straight. The scares are straight. The comedy's there. I just enjoyed it. It was a romp. Like there's, it's not going to scare you. And that's kind of what the best part is of it for like kids. There's stuff that's like quote unquote scary, but it's not going to scare kids. And if it does, it's mild. And it like, it's like, man, I like these monsters. That's usually the feeling you should get. And that's why I think this film is perfect, especially for kiddos to watch around the Halloween season. They also did, um, Abbott and Costello meet the mummy, Abbott and Costello meet the invisible man and Abbott and Costello meet the murderer Karloff or the monster Boris Karloff or something along those lines. Um, and they're all great. They're all super great. Um, but meets Frankenstein is probably the best one. I've heard the mummy one is really good too. And I haven't, I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen most of meets the invisible man. Um, that one, it was really good. Um, but yeah, definitely check that one out. It's easy to find now. It used to be kind of hard to find like the odd Blu-ray might slip out, but you can find that one anywhere. And, and it's, it's a good time. And also too, it's kind of good. Get your kids hooked on black and white if you start them young enough. Um, and then, uh, two more here, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. I love this movie as an adult, so your kids will probably love this movie. And if you don't have kids, still check it out. It was fun. It was just a really cheeky, fun, stop-motion, claymation movie. Wallace and Gromit, if you don't know them, they're like the classic two British characters. It's like the bald man in his his sweater vest, his cardigan there, who loves cheese, and his dog, Gromit. Um, Yeah, they invent stuff, and they're just always getting up to mischief and then there's this huge were rabbit that keeps eating all of the vegetables before their like end of the season halloween vegetable thing and so it's up to wallace and gromit um to stop this were rabbit i can't remember if they created the were rabbit not really sure but anyways they get up to a bunch of hijinks to stop this rabbit and they go over the top they make this huge rabbit that's on top of like wallace's car that gromit's like controlling to be like a female rabbit you know like blowing kisses and flicking the hip and stuff like that and it's just a fun fun movie and it's not too long as far as i know i think it was like an hour 20 so it was like very short movie very entertaining um check that one out even if you don't have kids like it is a very fun halloween movie to throw on and then this one, this was one I've talked about in the last episode, but I could not remember it. This is one that haunted my childhood, haunted it so much that I just remember one image. I remember nothing else of the goddamn movie, but I looked into it and it played on Family Channel, which is basically the Disney Channel up, up in Canada here. And um, it was called, well, it is still called, and you can find it, I'm sure, on Disney Plus soon. It's called When Good Ghouls Go Bad. And that's the one with Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee, Christopher Lloyd. Um, and basically this town is haunted by this kid um and they're like we, they don't celebrate halloween so this new kid comes into town and finds about this kid who was murdered and that's why they don't celebrate halloween um and basically the kid's trying to figure out what happened to the murder child and why they don't do halloween and he's like no we should still do halloween basically like a footloose <laughs> setup and then they do and this kid comes back from the dead and he's like this like zombie ghost spirit vengeful spirit who comes and he's standing on top of this like stairway and god damn it that thing gave me nightmares like it's still in my mind clear as day just that one scene that one shot in the movie but basically christopher lloyd's a good time he keeps the movie light he keeps it like a lot of levity in the film and it's a fun movie for kids especially kids between like 6 to 10 6 to 11 they'll love that movie and um yeah, it was just, it was really fun. It's got a pretty simple setup. It's got some darker stuff in it from looking into the plot here before doing this. And uh, yeah, so it's just a perfect miss. Light, dark, laughs. It's not 
too crazy. It's not going to like wear your kids out plot wise. None of these movies are going to wear your kids out plot wise. Maybe witches because I haven't seen it. But yeah, when when good ghouls go bad. That's one I was trying to remember last year. And so I just figured I'd shove it in here. Oh my God, we're at 40 minutes. Okay, so let's let's burn through these because I was not going to have this be a long episode because I've done a lot of long episodes and it's almost Halloween. I just want you guys to have something to enjoy. So let's let's talk about something quick here. Oh, I do enjoy an evening with a little light entertainment. But when your video heads get dirty, you lose your picture. Not a pretty sight. Happily, this new Polaroid video cassette will help you. It actually cleans your heads as it plays, so dirty heads needn't haunt you. New Polaroid video cassettes. Get the picture? For my film, uh, you know, film snobby kind of aficionado listeners here, if you know me, or if you've known me before this podcast, I love collecting Blu-rays. That's big for me. I love film. I haven't done it so much in the last couple of years. I'll get the odd Criterion haul, um, but, you know, been trying to save money, and it takes a lot of money to actually run this podcast more than I ever thought. But, anywho, Criterion that I did bring up, I figured I'd, I'd bring up a couple Criterion Collection films that I, that I haven't talked about too, too much, because there are some on here on the podcast and past episodes that I have mentioned before. Um, so um, definitely pick up Night of the Living Dead, which I did a whole episode on, and you can hear, you can listen to that if you're interested. Um, but some other ones here, um, David Cronenberg's The Brood. Now, last year I was on a big Cronenberg kick. I maybe watched like six or seven in a row. I was really, really feeling Cronenberg. The Brood is one that I had heard about, but I'd never actually given it too, too much thought um, or too much, um, I guess, time, really. I haven't, I didn't give it any time. I didn't look into it. Um, I didn't really care to, to watch it, but I threw it on because I was, it was on Criterion. I, I already own it, um, which I do way too often. I think it probably like 80% of the films that I own from Criterion of like the, I don't know how many I have now, like 110, 120, I, I haven't seen. like i've seen clips of but i haven't watched it it's a really bad habit don't get addicted to things kids um but yeah the brood is really interesting so this man and his wife they um they get a divorce or they're going through one if i remember correctly and the the wife is seeing um seeing like an experimental doctor who's played by the very creepy oliver reed if you guys have watched hammer horror films he well, he plays the Wolfman and Curse of the Wolfman. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, but he is always this, like, guy. He plays, um, oh, what is his name? He plays, like, the bad guy in Oliver, if you've ever seen the musical Oliver, which was another huge film in my childhood, which my mom made us watch very often. Scary guy. Scary guy. So, anyways, he plays this doctor who's doing this experimental treatment on this woman, which basically means Oliver, which not means, but it... it Basically, the outcome is all of her grief, all of her rage, her anger, her stress. She basically has all these like weird children, goblin, gremlin-like things that are like growing off the side of her, and then they manifest into basically like living beings. So all of her rage, all of her anger, it all turns into like a living being, and uh, they basically those things will go kill or get rid of whatever it is that's causing her those emotions, which is super scary. So then the dad and their child. He's looking for her, and then basically, that kid, that those things are trying to kill the kid. They're trying to kill the dad. They're killing other people, and he's basically trying to save her. And he finds her, 
and there's just so much scary stuff like these little things take one of the snow suits that one of the kids is wearing so then he's trying to like replace the kid and that's already scary like the fact that something's like replacing you is always like super scary and then they're trying to kill the dad and the dad tries to rescue her and then when he pops into this experimental facility and he sees her with all these things like attached of course it's cronenberg right so there's body horror everywhere it's just super visual and it's super like fun. It was a, such a fun movie. And I don't mean fun. Like I was talking about the kids movies, like it just, it moves. And I like that because yeah, slow burn's always fun. And yeah, when a movie is constantly like hitting you with action, that's okay too. But like they, they both have their time and their place, but this movie moves at a steady pace and it's fun. It's like a novel idea. It's neat. And if you've never seen a Cronenberg movie, I used to always say like Videodrome or the fly. I still stand by the fly. And I think the fly should be like the first one, but this is like a close second like in terms of like getting Cronenberg, like feeling what Cronenberg brings to the table, I think this is a perfect step in, a perfect gateway. Like Scanners is a lot. Some people hate it. Some people love it. I'm one of them. Um, and Videodrome is one of those movies I was just talking to past uh, guests of the show, Scott Fawcett, about it. Like when you're listening, when you're watching it, like I always remember loving Videodrome. And then when I go to rewatch it, I'm like, I don't like this as much as I thought. And then as time passes, I'm like, I loved Videodrome. It's so cool. So 80s. And you put it on again you're like i don't really i don't really like it's basically the whole like the medium is the message like that's like the whole movie and you're like ah, like it's like waterboarding you with like weird imagery and sometimes that's fun but like it was the whole movie but this one is good so you this is late but there is going to be another flash sale usually it comes in january pick up the brood pick up the brood that's a fun one you can definitely just find it i'm sure on like amazon or like buy it on itunes but you can watch that one. That one is a good one. And then um, The Blob, The Brood, The Blob. The Blob, though, is like really good, too. This is the 1950s flick with um, Steve McQueen. You know, he's like 27 in this movie. And he like he's supposed to be like, I'm only 16, Mr. Golly. But that movie is fun. The theme song will get in your head. And if you just listen to my last episode, Perfect Horror Chapter 2, I played it in there. I wanted to include it as a perfect film, but it's really not. It's just a fun movie. Um, so I just had that little homage in there, if you will, but this one's fun. It's like, it's the classic fifties film, a meteor strikes down, boom. And then out of this thing comes the blob. It's like this red gelatinous thing. And it basically just consumes and absorbs everything. And it's got, you'll see, you've seen it in other movies. Definitely hundred percent is when the blob goes into the theater and all the kids and all the teenagers and adults, they all come running out as the blob is like, like oozing through like the theater doors is cinematic gold is cinematic royalty really especially horror royalty the blob is something like when you look at it it might sound funny or it's not scary but it's just mood right it's a fun halloween movie to put on and if you're like the blob isn't scary then don't even bother with the 50s one just throw on the 88 one the acting isn't great but the special effects are gonna fuck you up like mess your shit up that is a scary goddamn movie the 50s one is just fun. It's a fun movie. It's fun to watch. It's a mix of stop motion. It's a mix of like cool special effects. And Steve McQueen just has fun with it. And I don't think I can say fun anymore for this movie. It is a good time. It's cool how they kill it. And it's just very much a 50s monsters movie. And there needed to be one on there. But a lot of people don't look at the blob or consider it to be like real horror or like a real classic film but i would argue it's both of those things and i think criterion collection also argues that it's why it's there in, in their collection so check that one out again 
like hold on to like for hold out for another splash sale pick up a bunch of like horror movies criterion's got a bunch of good ones i have like all of them they're all gems they're all really good except for maybe antichrist that one is a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow um and then also too i'm going to include it on here it wasn't originally on here but cooper s beckett author in front of the show he mentioned this also on this last episode perfect horror chapter two he brought up silence of the lambs he brought up a couple good films but he brought up that film and i couldn't agree with him more it is pigeonholed like if you look up horror on criterion collection you're not going to find it if you look up thriller it's there but i would argue 110 percent that is a horror movie and it is good it is good from start to finish it was one of those films i had put off watching many many times i don't know if i talked about this in the last episode or not but I put off watching it many, many times, and then I finally put it on like four or five years ago, not maybe less, maybe like four years ago, five years ago, yeah, four or five years ago, and it blew my mind. I could not take my eyes away from it. It was one of those movies where I didn't touch the phone. I was thinking about it for days, weeks after. It was good from start to finish, and it's one of those movies, you know when you're like, you hear a movie that's like hyped to death, and you finally watch it, and you're like, fuck, yeah, it earned every goddamn credential and praise and like that it got. And it totally does. Anthony Hopkins kills it. The special effects in that movie are amazing. Um, what is it? Buffalo Bill? Crazy good. Like scary, scary good. And Jodie Foster does an amazing job in that movie. And it's just everything. The directing, cinematography, editing, score, pace. Everything was perfect about that movie. And Criterion Collection recently re-released it. So it's a stunning Blu-ray with lots of extra features, both physical and on the disc, and it's, it is well worth your time. And if it's one that you have put off because it's overhyped or you think it might be too old, don't bother with that. That movie is timeless. It's ageless. Put that one on. It'll fuck you up. Um, it is not like... It's more... And I love these movies. It's not like... So there is some stuff in that movie that are going to scare you straight up, but it's one of the, more of a movie that you're going to be thinking about for like days, weeks after. Like it's going to stick with you. It's going to haunt you. And yeah, it's just perfect. And that's all I have really for these uh, Criterion Collection ones. Um, and I thought that I would just do a couple TV episodes. Um, so I'm not going to cut this part. I'm just going to add this in. TV episodes. I was going to include a lot because last year I had a butt ton of them last time. Um, but now I kind of <laughs> kind of ran out of time here. Um, so what I have for this year, I have Alfred Hitchcock's Presents. Oh, and last year, before I even get going, last year I had... Twilight Zone. I had X-Files. I had The Exorcist. I don't know if I had any Outer Limits on there, but if I didn't, go check out The Outer Limits, the original one um, from like the 60s. Amazing show. And I only just started watching it a couple years ago because I'm a big Twilight Zone guy. There's a lot of good stuff though on um, The Outer Limits. Um, and also too, I haven't gotten to it yet and I was going to put it on here. Um was the brand new Twilight Zone TV series with Jordan Peele. Like I wasn't really so hyped for it because like basically they were just like, I felt like they were just putting a new cone of pa coat of paint on Rod Serling, which is great. Cause, but sometimes there's like a line there, right? Like sometimes you want the same, just different. And other times you're like, why don't you give me like the same vibe, but like a new setup. And I felt like that from what I seen was very much 1950s Twilight Zone. And I don't know. I wasn't really like, well, I guess 60s, 50s, 60s Twilight Zone, but I don't know. I just, it, it felt wrong. It felt like you're like, like you standing on Sterling's grave while he was like doing his, like basically his impersonation of the setup. And, uh, I haven't really given it a, a look. It didn't get amazing reviews, which is like what kind of why I took a step back. I'm not usually one of those people that only go off of what other people have reviewed, 
but when like tons of like horror people are saying like it's not that great i'm like oh no because like usually horror fans are the fans that are gonna be like oh no like the script might have been bad but the effects were good like the the story was good or like it had like really scary parts and it's like you should give this a look even though it was dog shit and you're like all right yeah i love horror guys but even horror people were like ah it's not that good and i was like fuck so i've only watched like a couple episodes and i didn't find them good enough to recommend but definitely check those ones out um, and also too it's not on my list before I, I read what i have here but if you have shutter creep show go check that out i love the movie and the second movie i remember watching the second movie more than the first because i actually really like the, there's the native uh the native american one and then there's like the sludge one I don't know what the actual titles are, but those two have stuck with me longer than either Tales from the Dark Side or Creepshow. Um, I, no one talks about Creepshow 3. It didn't happen. But if you want real Creepshow 3, check out Tales from the Dark Side. That movie on itself stuck with me. Uh, stuck. It stuck with me. The, uh, the, um, the Gargoyle one. Oh my God, that one just tears at your heartstrings. But yeah, so I love the Creepshow series. And I've watched now, I think there's five episodes out. The sixth episode will be coming out soon. I don't know how many are coming out, but some of the stories, there's two stories for each episode. Some of the stories are like good goddamn films, like our films, uh, episodes, like segments. And I wish they were like full movies, some of them, but sometimes little is more, um, less is more. And um, they're good. They're really good. Some are not great, but some are really good. And that just kind of evens it out. Like if I had to rate it seven out of 10, it's fun to just get a little scare. So if you only have 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it's fun to just have a little something in there. Um, so anyways, what I was going to talk about is a show that kind of came out around the same time as Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, and that's Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And this one is called The Glass Eye. Now, The Glass Eye, um, man, this is running way long. Okay, so let's, let's burn through this here. So The Glass Eye, um, if you guys like ventriloquist stuff or you like... Um, you know, anything with like dummies or dolls, this one is right up there, you know, and I've seen the talking Tina, I've seen magic, I've seen dead silence. And just letting you guys know dolls, dummies, ventriloquists, mannequins are my bane. I hate that shit more than anything. Like, oh my god, when Sears Canada was closing, and there was just a room full of mannequins, I felt like I would walk in there to take a picture when I look back, like it would just be black, it would just be me and the mannequins, like I was petrified. Yeah, I took some pictures. Was, that's beyond the point. Those things scare the bejesus out of me. But so anyways, this one is very much a ventriloquist uh, episode. Um, but in classic Hitchhawk fashion, it is well-crafted. It is, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen too many Hitchcock, like Hitchcock Presents episodes. I've only seen a handful. But from what I've seen, they're all fairly top of the line, like top-notch stuff. It does feel like a little Hitchcock movie, which is creepy, like especially thinking like if Hitchcock ever did like a ventriloquist dummy movie, it probably would have been petrifying. This one is good though. It is really, really good. And you can find it. I can't remember where I watched it. It might've been Prime. Maybe Show Me. Is it Show Me? Or no, it's not Show Me. Sorry, that's a, that's a Canadian thing. On Tubi, if you guys have Tubi, it's basically like Crackle so many streaming services now holy hell um but yeah it's 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 free um like if you have prime obviously it's free as long as you have prime um and then tubi is like free but with the odd commercial i'm definitely sure i watched on one of those um that's really good um sorry i realized how vague that was but it, it's one of those episodes where you can't really talk about it too much without ruining it 
All right, so I was listening to myself when I was editing uh, this episode, and I, I honestly, I can't do this to you guys. So the glass eye, here's some more details because that was literally the Vegas worst description of an amazing episode of an actually pretty good show. So a couple things here, again, I talking with past Tyler here, I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to ruin it, but there are some definitely some good points to watch this episode because I gave you absolutely zero to go off of. Okay, so first and foremost, the episode stars and is narrated by a young, very dashing William Shatner. Now, I'm not usually swooned by the gentleman type, but God damn it, William Shatner can get it, man. That guy has got it. The voice is amazing. He's top notch. He's not doing his Star Trek voice. He is just on point. Best Shatner I've seen in a long time. Instantly a reason to watch. Oh, also too, it's if you're in Canada, it's not on Prime and it's not on Tubi. I forgot where I watched it because it wasn't where I normally watch stuff. You can find most of Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock Presents on um, dailymotion.com, like full episodes for free online. Just you can binge them and they're usually short. They're like 20 minutes. Okay, so something funny too. This isn't a point, but I was, I did watch it fairly recently, like a week ago. And I just thought it was hilarious. There's like the main character in this episode is like a single lady in her 30s. And the way it's narrated, because I don't know if it's like 58 or 59 when it's filmed, it's like in her 30s, she left. She's like, could could she like, was she dreaming that a young gentleman would perhaps mistaken her room for his and take her away for her life was meaningless and over now that like and like life had passed her by in her middle 30s i just thought it was hilarious because like middle 30s now it's like basically being like 22 so uh, a couple things to note the kid in the beginning which it's not a thing i thought it was when i first watched it the kid in the beginning who i thought might have been william shatner at the end just a little piece of shit. Like, I want my lemonade. I want my lemonade. It's, again, not a point, but I just was like, fuck off. Like, you know, when you're so mad at a character, I was just like, okay, kid, you need to fuck off. Um, and the thing is, though, this episode has that thing. Um, the fact that you can, like, see that the dummy is, like, a child. Like, it's not like an actual dummy made for the stage. It's like a child sitting on this guy's lap, already unsettling. Uh, and the mask that's on this child to make it look like a dummy already unsettling and already reason enough to just put this on the list for just how creepy it is and like i say like like past tyler who said like this is classic hitchcock fashion if this was a full movie like if hitchcock made a full movie with a dummy i know there are other dummy episodes that are on hitchcock uh presents and i know there are other dummy episodes tons and like mannequin episodes on twilight zone but i wish there was a super super good one uh dead of night has probably like the best dummy episode and that and that's like an anthology film and you're gonna hear more about it later but that scares the absolute fucking bejesus out of me still and it's a movie from the 40s so yeah i just didn't want to leave it super vague and i know the episode was already running long but god damn it i can't help myself sometimes so yeah go check out the glass eye it's on daily motion and uh now back to tyler from the past um and the next one is black mirror so it's a very new show if you guys haven't watched black mirror Stop listening to this and just binge it because that show is amazing. Um, there's tons of really, really great episodes on there, like movie or episodes that stand on their own, much like a film would because they're long. But in terms of like the scariest one, there's an episode on there. I think it's from their third season. The yeah, like the first American season. And it's called Playtest. Now, this one absolutely fucks with you. It's this guy who's doing this like video game, this virtual video game test for this company. 
and then he's in it and he's fully submersed in it and he signs all these waivers and then shit starts to happen in the game so like his like subconscious is messing with like glitches in the game so he's seeing ghosts he's seeing stuff come at him that isn't there um the game is like warping too quickly and then if you find out it's it's games within games is it reality is it not and it's just it gets so fucky so quick and it is probably the scariest episode of black mirror and it's well put together to the point where I remember certain stuff very clearly that I wish I didn't, um, and it's very, very good. If you're feeling that Black Mirror, though, another good one is called White Bear, which um, it's kind of like if you're digging that scary vibe, especially from that last episode, and you're kind of like a Twilight Zone fan, it blends those two things very well together. Um, basically, uh, it is a huge bait-and-switch, that episode, um, but... Yeah, I mean, if you don't like that last episode, I'm not even going to get into it. But another good one, yeah, other than Playtest is White Bear. And then to close out our TV for this episode, um, I thought I'd bring up Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I, I don't think I've really brought up Doctor Who too much. But I used to be huge into Doctor Who for like a good two, three years. I was like, I could not get enough of that. And then eventually the price of everything and it not being super available catches up with you. Um, so I kind of dropped off. And this episode is actually my least favorite doctor. I know a lot of people um, will uh, get upset. He's not my least favorite, but of the new doctors, he's my least favorite. It's David Tennant, doctor number 10. Um, the episode is Blink, um, which if you're a D Who fan, you know how scary that episode is. It's got Carrie Mulligan in it and Basically, the doctor isn't even in the episode, so he's helping through like pre-recorded like tapes, which is also like a creepy factor to it. And basically, um, these uh, new creatures that are introduced called the Weeping Angels are there. And I'm not gonna lie, like they're they're pretty goddamn scary. The premise is um, they're kind of like Boo from Mario. When you're not looking at them, they'll move. So they're stone statues of like angels, like um, demonoid-looking angels that are covering their face. And then when you're not looking at them, then they move and they get closer and closer and closer. So you have to keep your eye on them always. Um, and then in later episodes, there's scenarios where like you can't see. So then you're actually fucked. Like there's one where they're in the future and these things are loose um, and there's like fog and everything. So then you're actually fucked. But in this episode is scary because I'm pretty sure if I could be remembering this wrong, it's been a couple years since I've watched the episode, um, but she is like trapped in this house um, and then. Uh, the doctor is basically trying his best to help her get out of that house, but they always are encroaching on her, getting closer. And when they get you, that's it, that you're done. Um, there's no, I'm pretty sure like they steal your energy. They like erase you from time. That's basically how it goes. I'm not even going to get into the science of it because it's timey-wimey uh, bullshit. But uh, so they just basically erase your your existence from the timeline of any timeline. And it's it's pretty scary stuff. Um, and this is like a perfect episode, not just to like jump into Doctor Who, if you haven't watched already, because Doctor Who is one of those franchises that has a um, kind of very nerdy um uh, not posh, but very pretentious kind of nerdy thing. Like it's hard to jump into, kind of like Star Trek, which I'm also a huge fan of. Um, but yeah, it's a good episode. It's a standalone episode. So that is like a good point to jump in, especially because you don't need to know all the Doctor's gimmicks and tricks and any of his history. It's just a good standalone episode. So if you do find, um, like maybe if you're in America and or UK and you have Doctor Who on Netflix, which lucky for you guys, um, definitely check it out. Check out uh, that episode. It is... Uh, Gosh, I don't know. It might be season two, but I'm 
thinking it's season three of like the reboot series of new who um but anyways yeah so check that one out that's that's it for my tv guys master quiet i'm calculating isn't it dark in there not for my new Anylite Solar Calculator from Texas Instruments. You have a Texas Instrument? Texas! Texas Instruments Anylite Calculator. Unlike other solar calculators, it works in almost... Anylite. Good Renfield. The new line of Anylite Solar Calculators from Texas Instruments. Imagine the Prince of Darkness with a solar calculator. <laughs> Um, and then I thought I would do one or two more genres here because I don't, I want to keep this one a little bit shorter just for me, just for you. And I was in this, in the episode that I was talking with Christopher, which is an amazing episode. Please listen to that one. It's one I'm very proud of having an actual interview with the director. Um, but we talked, we ended up talking found footage. We talked found footage and we talked anthologies. So I thought I would bring up a couple of each, hopefully some that intertwine. And uh, so here we go. So the very first one is The Taking of Deborah Logan. Now, I watched this movie three or four years ago, and it has stuck with me very, very, very clearly for, for a very long time. And basically, the setup for this one is, is a daughter going to see her mother. And her mother has uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. I think it's dementia. And she's slowly losing herself. But her mom's starting to do like really weird stuff. Like she's she's moving around differently. She's saying weird stuff, and they they write it off as dementia. But then she starts like moving, like she starts basically like doing stuff that you wouldn't do, even if you're on dementia. And she's getting out, and she's drawing things, and she's doing crazy stuff. And then and eventually you're finding her like being her body starts to look different, and she's starting to do shitty, fucking scary stuff. And basically you find out that it, it might not be dementia. It might be something entirely different that's taking over her mother, which it's a perfect, perfect analogy for how creepy and how monstrous dementia and any memory or muscle um, crippling diseases can be, especially when you know who somebody is and there's suddenly not the monstrous change that is that is that disease it is a perfect perfect movie and i remember people telling me like oh this is like a not a bad one and it'd be like a list for hidden gems and stuff and you know i'd never really seen any promotion for it i'd never seen it in the theater you just kind of write off movies like that like if they're a little bit more independent as maybe being like not that great and i threw it on and it is still to this day my one of my top five found footage films ever that ending scene and if you've seen this you know what i'm talking about when she finds her mom I will never get that image out of my head. It is it is a very well-crafted found footage film. Um, and I would 100% recommend that. It's not just for Halloween. You can watch that anytime. Um, that is a, a found footage gem. And it's not like your paranormal activity where cameras are set up. It is the more moving camera, a handheld camera um, that she's documenting everything as she's moving around day to day. Um, it's a wonderful, 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 scary goddamn film. Uh, the Taking of Deborah Logan. And if you do want to hear more about that, I as I I just released, I re-edited um, the past Halloween episode. I do talk about that film quite a lot more in that episode. So if you do want to hear more about that before you make the jump, which honestly, you don't need to hear me ramble about that film any more than I already have. It is well worth your time. You can catch that thing on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. It might be on Shutter or Amazon Prime. It's definitely on Netflix, I'm pretty sure, though. So check that one out. Um, in terms of found footage, uh, past guest on the show, uh, Christopher Burgart, he came on, and he is the director of Witnesses. Um, so if you guys have not 
watched that film yet after me having that amazing interview, which I also highly encourage that you guys listen to that because it's one of my favorite episodes that I've done. Um, Witnesses was a very fun movie. It's very straight to the point. There's no ghosts. There's no goblins. There's nothing that is unseen. It, it is literally a man basically hacking up a stronger man. He's not invincible. He's not inhuman. He's not immortal. He is just literally a guy who is a trained killer who is now cross paths with these like basically kid filmmakers, not kids, but you know, younger college students. And they're basically trapped in this warehouse that is locked up. And now he's picking them off. And to say that it's intense doesn't really do the film justice. Um, But in terms of an independent film, uh, it doesn't get too much better. I like if again, if you've heard this this past episode, I'm beating a dead horse here. Um, but uh, I feel it's definitely worth your time to check it out. It is called Witnesses. Um, again, if you listen to this past episode, I'm not going to tell you guys anymore. But you know, go listen to that past episode. Um, it's available on uh, iTunes. It's available on Amazon. Um, and you know what? It's very easy to torrent. Um, but if you really want to support an uh, up-and-coming director, especially a good one, uh, I would. It's it's cheap. It's honestly it's cheap. It's ten dollars for a brand new movie, and it's well worth your time, well worth your money. And I would I would check that one out. It's called Witnesses. And then rounding out our found footage gems here, I I picked one that is not it's not a favorite. It's not a favorite, but it is a solid film. It's a solid entry into the found footage genre, and that is called As Above, So Below. And it kind of came in at that tail end of the, um, I guess, like the the boom of found footage films that followed Paranormal Activity for like the two to four years, five years that came after that. Um, Basically, it follows these four or five um, students. I guess, I don't know if they're post-secondary. I don't know if they're like graduate students or what, but anyways... They are um, alchemy, um, I guess, like, not, I don't know if they can be, like, alchemy students, but they're, like, alchemy experts, and they're basically, they set off to look for the Philosopher's Stone, um, which I get the one of the main girls, um, again, I haven't seen this in, in a little bit, um, so I'm a little foggy, but I do remember the core concept here. They're looking for the stone because that was, like, her father's work, uh, and they, they basically venture off into the Paris catacombs, which, if you are not familiar, definitely check that out because they're very creepy. I have myself not been yet, uh, but I plan on going eventually, and it's basically underneath the city of Paris is like old mine shafts that have basically to um, this is like the one time I was awake in that Paris course in university. Um, otherwise, I probably would have passed that class. But anyways, so the city is collapsing. It's starting to fall on itself because all the buildings that are made in Paris are made from limestone. And it's a very particular mine that was actually found underneath the main city of Paris. So at the same time, there was a huge like cemetery problem. The dead were like seeping into basements. The like cemeteries were overflowing. So two birds, one stone. They're like, hey, we are going to fill up this. Um, basically, this is like a very condensed, not historically accurate version. But let's make sure we don't have this collapse anymore. And we will fill like the walls and stuff with the skeletal remains, with the bones. And we will basically stop the mining and... You know, just fill it. So what you have is a very cryptic, very beautiful looking now uh, skeletal remains uh, in the catacombs. But at one point it was very disgusting, very dirty, very gross, and it was off limits. It was used as a shelter. I'm getting way too in the history here. But anyways, they go into this. So it's lots and lots of unexplored for a long time caves and mines. Um, And what they find is 
is that they get lost. And I don't mean like spelunking lost, like they are not of this realm anymore and they venture into somewhere that is borderline hell and then they are stuck there and you get to watch this unfold as these guys are picked off by demons, by like ungodly creatures, um, monsters, and basically succumb to the darkness that is like surrounding them and it just gets crazy real fucking quick like you watch them um kind of figuring out stuff like oh look at this look at this having fun you know classic found footage fair like haha stop you're creeping me out and then all of a sudden they're like holy fuck holy fuck did you see so and so where are they oh my god jessica's dead what happened to jessica like it's just instantly fucked it's like the whole last 40 minutes is just like a trip. It is a roller coaster ride of fear and adrenaline. And that's why I included it on here because it is a fun one, especially for Halloween night to throw on. Uh, check that one out. It is a newer one. You can definitely find that one anywhere. It is called As Above, So Below. And that wraps up our found footage gems. And then a quick tie off our anthologies here. So to start this off, let me just say none of these are the creme to the creme. Some of these are like good, some are borderline favorites, but they're just fun movies to watch and I thought it'd be nice to spice things up a bit. So this one is kind of a cheat. It is called All, All Hallows' Eve and it is not the best movie by any means. But what it does is it introduces Art the Clown, which is now surprisingly one of my favorite slashers. Like I wasn't really on board. I thought he looked cheap. I, uh, cheap. I saw that there was a lot of recommendations for Terrifier. I saw there's a lot of recommendations for All Hallows' Eve because Art the Clown is so creepy, like it's underrated horror. And I was like, ah, you know what? I'll check it out. So I watched All Hallows' Eve and the one with Art the Clown was fucking scary. I'm not gonna lie, that the very last one was scary. He pops up in all of the three um, clips. There's an alien in there, which is a little corny, but it still, it was fun. And it was just fun overall. It was just a fun movie. But what it ties into more, and this is why it's kind of a cheat, is Terrifier. Terrifier is not an anthology film, but it is kind of a spiritual slash kind of connected sequel to All Hallows' Eve. And it follows Art the Clown as he basically um, terrifies stalks and then eventually murders horrifically these two girls, as well as an assortment of other people that get caught up in it. And it is fucked. Yeah, like I... I it is a fucked up movie and it was, but it was so fun. I was expecting to watch like such a shitty bottom of the volume, like the bottom of the value pack DVD bin movie, but it was so much fun. It was like, it was very eighties feeling. It was grindhousey at the same time. It was fast. It knew what it was doing. It did a lot with a low amount of budget, a lot of visual imagery that will stick with you. And I just thought it was great. Was it a perfect film? No, like it wasn't a 10 out of 10. I wouldn't say like, this is like one of the, the high marks of cinema. But in terms of like a horror film, I had a lot of fun with it. It was a 7.5 for me out of 10 on, on my Instagram rating. Very fun movie. But check out both. Um, All Hallows' Eve is available on Shudder. I think it's on Shudder. Maybe, no. Maybe it's on Prime. Because I have my Shudder through my Prime account. I can't remember all the time. And then uh, Terrifier is not on that. It is on Netflix. Um, but obviously you can probably find those on iTunes or on um, Amazon or what have you. But those are really good ones. Uh, the next, as I mentioned before, uh, just in passing, is Dead of Night. Um, Dead of Night is a 1940s anthology horror film. And it makes the bill because it's also one of the first anthology films. No, it is. It is the first horror anthology, from what I understand, to come out. 
and it was in darkness for a long time. It wasn't released by anybody. So if you saw it, it was like a holy grail moment for a lot of people. I remember how I saw it was awful. It was like a pan and scan version. Uh, it wasn't great, but luckily I really want a Criterion Collection to release it, but just as good for classic films. Kino Lorber got their hands on it. Um, I still haven't picked that up yet. It is in my Amazon cart, but it is a stunning film. It has three, if I believe correctly, and uh, that is the one that I mentioned before that has the, the, the one segment in there has a ventriloquist dummy um, segment, which ultimately has started that whole ventriloquist dummy um, thing that like it started that whole subgenre of horror and it basically is the grandfather of every single ventriloquist dummy um, horror themed um, novel fantasy series movie and it is it still haunts me to the point where i honestly can't remember too much about what the other two segments are because that is that movie for a ton of people and that's a main reason why i have it on on this list i loved it when i watched it but that like with all anthologies if there's one that's amazing and the two aren't as good as that one then that is the only one you'll remember of that anthology and that is a downside of anthology uh of anthologies but um it's really good. I love anthologies because it's little different pieces. And if you only have a small amount of time or you just want a bunch in, in the amount of time you have, that's why I love anthologies. And then this next one, again, tying back into the uh, episode I had with Christopher, he brought up XX, which I also don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know if it's Z or if it's XX or double X or whatever. Um, but this is a fun one. I only got through half of it. So again, it's kind of a cheat, but I definitely recommend it because already from what I've seen, this is a high mark film. Um, so this is an anthology film. And the concept behind it is that it is written by women and directed by women. So this is a women focused thing. It's not like the stories are women centric. Um, there are definitely male characters in it. Um, but the one, the one that he brought up, uh, Christopher brought up is definitely one of the high marks in there. And that is the, uh, I guess the segment where this child asks the old man, um, basically, I don't know. I'm stepping over my words here. The old man whispers something into the child's ear and then the child won't eat. And then the sister is like, what happened? What did he say? He tells her she won't eat. Um, and yeah, like once I heard about it, I was like, I was intrigued and definitely, yeah, that is one you cannot ruin it. The way that ends is mind blowing. And this one is on Netflix. So you can find this very regularly, very regularly. What does that even mean? You can find this easily. Um, I'm going to finish this, uh, movie actually, once I'm done recording this episode. Um, so yeah, wow, that's it. Eh? I kind of burnt through this. I really wanted this to be done early, um, because editing all these two hour episodes is like really, really put a damper on uh, my spirits and the, just the, the amount of output I have for the show. So anyways, guys, that wraps it up. It's more movie lists. I haven't done too many movie lists aside from the perfect horror, but yeah, if you guys would love to listen to both my perfect horror and perfect horror chapter, chapter two episodes, I'd appreciate it. There's tons of great guests on there. I'm figuring if you guys are listening to this, you've probably, probably already listened to those last ones, but I figured it's worth a shot to let you know. Um, the episode I had with Christopher Burgard are a highlight. Uh, and if you're tired of horror, you jump back a little bit. Um, you have a fun episode I recorded with uh, Catherine. Uh, we talked about Epcot and a bunch of Disney stuff. And yeah, look forward to some sci-fi 
Um, and maybe one extra episode before Halloween or on Halloween, who knows? Um, but November is going to be more of a sci-fi focused month. So if you guys have been really swallowing a shit ton of horror and you don't like it, I'm sorry, but you, at least you'll have something to look forward to for the next month. And I am going to probably stay away from horror for a little bit. It'll sprinkle in there, obviously, but not like just waterboarding you with horror. And I apologize if that it's not your bag. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, guys. Have a super amazing Halloween. I know I probably missed you guys. You probably partied on the weekend, but I hope you had a good one, and I hope you guys have another good one next year and the year after that and whenever you listen to this episode. And, uh, yeah, don't get too crazy, and uh, make sure you, uh, you know, if you need to sleep with the light on, I don't blame you. Sleep with the light on until October's over. All right, guys, until then, um, you know you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, at ACFO Podcast. Find me on Facebook and Patreon at A Conversation for One Podcast. Please, please, and honestly, it means a lot, and it helps boost me so that more people can see me and that I'm recognized on on these accounts. But if you could throw me a five-star rating, it really means a lot, and a review goes that much further. I know it takes some time, but I do appreciate it. And that's it, guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just, I really appreciate you guys all listening. Um, the numbers are always going up, and you guys always have nice things to say to me. And I love when you guys are um, participating on Instagram and stuff. It, it's, it's really the best part of my day. I love this. Um, so until then, though, until the next episode, uh, be excellent to each other, stay rad, and uh, Tyler out. Have a spooky one, guys. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.